withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart and what was sown on the path. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Now this passage that I would like to spend some uh, time paying special attention to this morning is a pretty well-known parable for many who've been around in church circles for any length of time, especially if you have spent any time in the part of the church world that puts most of its focus on proselytizing and gaining new converts through overt evangelism. And there is absolutely a time and a place for having conversations with people about the eternal ramifications of our individual spiritual life. But if that is all we take away from Jesus' earthly ministry and teaching, we run the risk of peddling a cheap gospel. Because when we read these gospels that we have been given, when we hear Jesus speak, he's speaking about justice and compassion for the poor, the sick, the prisoner, the foreigner, and all other people who are outcast and pushed to the edges. The good news of the gospel doesn't start some far-off day. It starts here and now. And when we are selling a cheap or at best misdirected or misidentified gospel, people will notice. A lot of people today avoid organized religion for what I believe are some kind of legitimate reasons. I hear from so many people on a regular basis the embarrassment, pain, and trauma that has been inflicted on them by a church or a church leader. I hear about how much the church has asked of them and how little it has given back to their lives as a result. I had a young woman tell me once how frustrating it was that every church she went to said it wanted young people, but it never gave the young people a meaningful voice in the life and ministry of the church because the older generations there just wanted her to be labor for the same projects they were passionate about at her age. And that's just the people I know outside my capacity as a correctional chaplain. That's the people that look on the outside like the kind of people who always used to be in church every Sunday. For the folks we minister to every day in the jail, the stories are even more painful. 
They are stories of abandonment by the church when a parent died of an overdose. Stories of churches turning them away because of their record. Stories of family claiming that addiction was a sign they weren't faithful enough and they just needed to pray harder. The problem that churches face today is not that nobody has heard the gospel. It's that the people preaching it are just spewing empty words much of the time. They aren't backing it up with genuine care and compassion. There is no amount of old-fashioned outreach and evangelism that is going to return our churches to the good old days, I am sorry to say. It would just be flinging seeds around without any cultivation of the soil on which you are throwing them. And I don't actually believe that there have ever been any good old days, because larger numbers doesn't mean better. More money in the endowment doesn't mean a more successful church. None of that has anything to do with if the church is actually doing the hard work of the gospel. None of that speaks to the actual spiritual health of a community. There's nothing wrong with a strawberry festival, but if losing one event causes a loss of identity, you are just chucking seeds into the gravel. Now this passage today, it's important to note, is wedged in a section of Matthew in which the author is pointing to the ways people misunderstood and opposed Jesus and his earthly ministry. And the people who were getting in the way of Jesus' ministry were not the tax collectors or the prostitutes or the atheists or the drag queens or people trapped in earthly systems of poverty, racism, and incarceration. They weren't the people that the upright citizens of the kingdom would have expected him to say had it all wrong. They were the religious authorities and zealots who should have known better. And Jesus seemed to usually have a pretty pointed message to the churchy people when he told a parable. So it makes me wonder if we don't tend to whitewash this passage and tame it down an awful lot to make it a little more palatable. I used to think that the whole point of this passage was that we need to sow a lot of seeds. We need to sow seeds. Throw them everywhere and hope they stick. Try to find the good soil on which to throw our seeds. The soil was the hearts of the people, and some just had hearts that would be more receptive than others. I used to think that in this passage, the ground was the people around us. We were the farmers. The seeds were the good news of the gospel contained in the very well-organized gospel tracts we could get from church to pass out to people at school. Some of these soil people were surrounded by birds that would interfere, you know, like the bad music they listened to or their tattoos, things like that. Some people were rocky. They would come to church with you, maybe pray to ask Jesus into their heart and all that, but they wouldn't really understand or mean it. So they wouldn't have a lot of staying power when life got hard. And some people were just thorny and resistant. But some people were a good place to sow seeds and they would understand and accept the gospel. Here's where that interpretation makes me uncomfortable these days. It separates us too much from the people who aren't already in the church with us. It's an us versus them story. It takes too much of the hard work off of our plates. As long as we're preaching it, we have no other responsibility. It's up to the ground to take the seeds or not. And I can't believe that that would ever be Jesus' intent, to separate us from others. Jesus came to bring us together. 
And that interpretation also assumes that we could possibly know what is in another person's heart. So I'd like to rearrange the players a little bit. What if the farmer is God? The seeds are individual people. All the people around you and you too. We are all seeds together, friends. The soil is the community. In this recasting of the familiar favorite, we're all in it together. And what we do in community with one another matters more than anything one individual can ever do on their own. Some people have more choice than others about the community soil they can plant themselves in. Some of us get to choose where we put down roots. But others just are where they are. Many are trapped where they are. Some people are trying to grow in places where the birds just keep carrying them away. Birds like addiction and mental health crises and unfair power structures and poverty. Some people are in places where they just can't grow deeper because the community around them is hard and dry and boring and resistant and doesn't have the nourishment to sustain them long term through the inevitable hard times. Like my young friend who got frustrated with churches that wanted her there but didn't want to let her grow in her gifts of leadership. Some people are in places where those around them are just toxic and hurtful and strangle them so they just can't thrive there. Some people are fortunate enough to be in places where they are nurtured and all the right conditions for human growth and abundance are present and the community welcomes them and loves them as they are regardless of what prayers they have or haven't prayed. When community and compassion and justice are the soil in which these seeds are sown, they're able to flourish into beautiful, fruitful, unique plants. Corrections chaplaincy is not a message of sowing seeds of gospel messages. Our job is not to go in and save the heathen masses. We work with folks who are in one of the most vulnerable situations possible in our setting. The work we do is the work we see in this recasting of the parable. Many of the folks we work with have never had the right soil in their lives. And anyone who's spent any time gardening knows it's all about the soil more than the seeds you plant. I'm a terrible gardener, for the record, because I know nothing about actual soil, uh, but that's another sermon illustration for another day. <laughs> in chaplaincy at the jail, we are a ministry of helping people find the soil in which they can grow. I recently taught a course with some of the women in the jail I call my church, the jail that calls me pastor. This course was about the Psalms and how creative writing helps us heal from trauma. And one of the writing projects we did in that class was a visualization of their lives as gardens and what they might need to flourish and grow and what weeds needed to be pulled from their lives. It was a powerful exercise, and I haven't been able to get it out of my mind as I've been preparing to talk to you all this week and reflecting on this passage. The things that these women are up against. Thorns like broken family relationships and abuse from a very young age. Birds like addiction 
mental health crises, loss of home, loss of job and income. They told story after story of the pain and the sorrow that they had walked through. And yet when they thought about what their lives could be, they wrote such beautiful things. Like Brittany, who said, when I think about a garden for my life, I think about a bunch of flowers and beautiful knee-high grass, healthy big trees, and different flowers represent different meanings. The trees represent my bonds with the people I love, Trees, because they're strong and steady. They can withstand almost anything that comes their way. Flowers represent the new happiness that happens every day. Certain smells of flowers represent different people and what they remind me of. Grass means the comfort I feel with the people I love. I can smell the fresh scents, which gives me peace. This is a woman who has been in the jail for over a year, and who knows how long she'll be there. And yet she writes with such hope, with such conviction that somewhere out there, there is this peaceful place where she can flourish and grow. What was so powerful for the women in that reflection was that they were brought into the conversation about what fertile soil looks like. Rather than being told what they were doing wrong or hearing wrong or praying wrong, they began to grow and expand in that space together, not because I'm so great at telling them what Jesus can do for them. They grew and expanded because I helped them till the soil and create community in which they were nourished and able to flourish as who they are, not who I thought they should be. And that is what the ministry we're doing at the Foundation of Hope is all about. I know I have spent a lot of time talking about plants and not a ton talking about what we do at the Foundation of Hope, and that is on purpose. (laughs) Because not all of you are going to be moved by what I'm about to tell you we're doing. Not in the I want to spend all my free time getting in on that way, and that's okay. But some of you will. And I know from experience that those who are really poked by the Holy Spirit today are going to ask Jen for my number or get my card after the service and call me or email me this week to see if we can talk more or if I can come back to talk to a small group. For the rest of you, I just want to give a quick lowdown of what we do in the hopes that you can help us out from time to time with some of this hard work of nurturing the soil our participants are asked to grow in. The mission of our organization is empowering people impacted by the criminal justice system to renew their faith, rebuild their lives, and restore positive relationships. Sounds like some good solid soil tilling, doesn't it? We do this through four main programs. Two of our programs are centered inside the Allegheny County Jail, and two are located in our community offices on the north side of Pittsburgh. The two programs housed in the jail are the chaplaincy program, which is the one I direct and can tell you the most about if you have questions later. We have a staff of eight chaplains, if you don't count me, and two administrative personnel, as well as scores of volunteer chaplains, study group leaders, and worship leaders. Um, Something I recently realized not everybody knows is that we serve of around 1,500 individuals who are incarcerated in our facility at any given time. That is a huge, huge undertaking. 
Our staff and volunteers represent a wide variety of faiths in order to help meet everyone in our facility where they are. And we provide one-on-one -on -one spiritual support, grief services and support, worship opportunities, scripture study groups, and more. A lot of the things you generally think about, perhaps, when you think about chaplains. Also located in the Allegheny County Jail is our pre-release program. This is a program of educational classes, service plans, and more, all geared to help set people up for successful re-entry from the correctional system. One of our primary objectives in the Foundation of Hope is to reduce recidivism, to reduce the number of people who are returning to facilities. We also have two programs located in our community offices on the north side. We have an aftercare program that provides immediate care and one-off services for individuals re-entering from any facility, not just the Allegheny County Jail. So anyone who's ever been incarcerated in any facility anywhere in the world at any point in their lives is welcome to come to our aftercare offices and receive support. Support like bus passes, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, support groups, connection to community resources, and more. We also have adult and youth diversion programs that provide support primarily through intensive case management designed to help reduce harm for those suffering addiction and to set up participants for success in the community. And here are some of the things that you all can do to help get in on this soil tilling. To help men and women like Brittany who are getting choked by thorns or carried away by birds. You can pray for us. It is not easy work by any stretch. Um, so please remember us as you pray for those who are working in the community. We will always take your financial donations. <laughs> we are a nonprofit organization that uh, some of our programs are contracted in by the county. Some of our programs run entirely on donations. We're always looking for volunteers. And we have a wide range of volunteerism available for folks from the one-on-one -on -one mentoring to teaching pre-release classes. If you've ever taught a Sunday school class, you are equipped to teach one of these pre-release classes. We will literally hand you the curriculum and say, we are on lesson four this week. <laughs> and we'll give you the PowerPoint and everything for it. We look for volunteer chaplains, Bible study leaders, a whole host of different options as well as board members. So again, if you've ever served on the session, you are equipped to be a board member. <laughs> We're always looking for new individuals to serve in that way. We're often hiring. Right now, we're hiring some office support through a program um, that has been made available by the AARP. So if you are over 55 and interested in learning some new skills, please talk to me. Um, we're also looking for a part-time chaplain right now. We often take in-kind donations like books and hygiene items. We will soon be collecting financial and um, physical donations for the Christmas packages that we produce. We put together usually around 1,800 gift packages for the inmates in the facility every single year. Um, think about the things you might put in your kids' or grandkids' stockings. Um, underwear, toothpaste, deck of cards, all of those sorts of things. It's kind of like giving a stocking to everyone for Christmas there. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, please talk to me. Uh, because we are a jail, we have to be very picky about what we can and can't bring into the facility for a whole host of reasons um, that are a lot of fun to talk about at another time. Um, so please come see me if you're interested in that. 
I do have a letter that is, I think it's in the back somewhere. Um, it got passed around. Oh, somebody already has it in their hands. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, that has information on all of these things as well. It has our website. It has my email address and my phone number. Please feel free to reach out. Uh, because I work in the jail, email is probably usually the most efficient way to get a hold of me, though, um, versus all those other ways. In the meantime, <laughs> I would like you to take this encouragement with you today as you get ready to go back out into your outside, the church life, whatever sort of soil that is, whatever kind of life that is. And this is a subtle but absolutely vital shift of perspective for the church today. It's one that makes the ministry we do in correctional chaplaincy powerful, and it's one that can make the ministry our churches are doing powerful. Our identity is community, plain and simple. Be the kindest you possible. Our job as church is not to have a particular sort of building or pastor or bank account or attendance list or program. Our job is to help the people around us flourish and grow into God, who God the sower created them to be. Our job is to create a place full of the joy and compassion and justice in which all seeds can thrive. Amen.